Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What is up, all of my beautiful, amazing people? Welcome back to another episode of FML Talk. Y'all have been asking me from the very beginning of this damn podcast to do an episode of shit that I left out of the book. So grab a freaking cocktail, sit back. We are about to give you exactly what you've been asking for. Welcome to FML Talk. Oh my God. Wait, how old was the other girl? 19. Can you believe that shit? Hey, this is Gabrielle Stone. Good book. Have you gotten in chapter 16? <gasps> he did what? 48 hours? What a dick. Yeah, but have you seen all the photos on our Instagram? And this is FML Talk. Oh, no, she didn't. So as you all know, I am currently writing book number two, and it has been a wildly different experience for me. Um, Obviously, I wrote Eat, Pray, FML mostly while I was on my Europe trip. I wrote three-fourths of it on the actual trip in my journal by hand and finished it when I came home. The whole thing took me about three to three and a half months to write. This second book (laughs) is a fucking doozy. Um, So the second one obviously starts when I get back from Europe. It goes all the way to the end of 2019. So not only is it, you know, going deep into the depths of my own memory, trying to remember conversations and piece together dates of when certain things took place, But it's also having to open up and relive all of those memories, some of which are really, really fun and some of which are really painful, especially because, you know, I'm in a very healthy and happy relationship now and it took us a while to get here and it definitely was not a smooth sailing ride to get to where we're at. And now I'm having to go back and, you know, go over the things that I'm not so proud of and things that really hurt me from different people and things that I did that might have hurt people. It's it's been a really different and interesting experience. For example, I was writing a chapter the other day and um, I was pretty much finished with it, but it was at this moment where I was standing in the middle of a grocery store um, to purchase something and I had this realization at the time um, that while I was in this entanglement, we will call it, with someone, (laughs) that I was fully thinking about someone else and the safety and protection that I felt from that other person. And having this realization and then writing about it, especially being where I'm at now, was so heavy for me. And I just burst into tears. Tay came running into the room and was like, oh my God, what's wrong? And it really made me realize how much of a journey these last two years have been. Not only in my relationships, but in the way that I handle things, in the way that I process things. And although I don't know when exactly book two will officially be out, 
just from writing it and the therapy I've been getting from it. I'm really, really excited to be able to share that with you all. So I thought today would be the perfect time to dive into the shit that I left out of Eat, Pray, FML. Now, before you guys are like, oh my god, we're about to get all the juicy drama, there is some things that fall into that category. But when I say that I wrote this book as real and honest and authentic and raw as I possibly could, I really did. The big monumental stuff that was so life-altering for me, um, that's all in there, you guys. So we're going to get into the stuff that didn't make the final cut. Some of it is hysterical stuff that I wish I would have kept in there. Others are little tidbits that I didn't realize would be so important or controversial that ended up being that I wish I could go back and uh, and write about. And other things that are some dirtier details that for legal reasons I chose to uh, omit, if you will. So to start this journey of the stuff left out of book two, um, we're going to start from the very beginning. And at the very beginning, unfortunately, was my ex-husband, Daniel. So there were a lot of things that I chose to leave out, mostly for legal reasons. I had a lot of proof on my end of things that he was doing, supplements that he was taking, things that his parents knew about um, for a lot longer than I think is morally okay. And none of that really drove the story forward. So I chose, you know, to only include the stuff that really was necessary to grasp the gravity of the situation and the depth of the cheating that was going on. Um, the other stuff, it just made him look worse and that was never really my goal in doing any of it. Um, I actually was never even going to really write in detail about the divorce chapters. I was going to be like, look, I got divorced, he cheated on me, it sucked, and then this all happened. Because as you know from reading Eat, Pray, FML, it's not really about the divorce. Um, it's about, you know, the journey I ended up going on after all of this went down in my life. It wasn't until I so clearly remember going to dinner and I sat down with one of my girlfriends and was talking to her about the book and said, I'm not really writing a whole lot about the actual divorce. And she slammed her silverware down and she was like, Gabrielle, what do you mean? That shit was like a fucking episode of CSI. You have to write about how you found everything out. So it was because of her, shout out to you, Summer, I love you, <laughs> um, that I went back and wrote about all of it. Um, and I'm so glad that I did because the amount of DMs I get from women that read this book and men um, who have gone through their significant other cheating on them are insane. And it's like, oh my God, I went through this, this, and this, or my person had a second phone and oh, he did this too. And the amount of similarities that there are when people reach out to me that have connected with that section of the story, I'm uh, I'm really grateful that I chose to uh, to go back and detail it. Obviously, like I said, there were some things that I chose to completely leave out. You're welcome, Daniel. <laughs> but there was one entire weekend that didn't make it into the book. 
I had written an entire chapter that came right after he left to go on his coaching job and before I had found out all the actual hard evidence. And that happened when my girlfriends and I, Sarah and Jenna, we went to Santa Barbara and we went for a weekend. And Daniel and I, I had told him, you know, I don't want to really talk while you're gone. I need some time to myself. I'm going to go be with my girls. And when he had left to go coach, we had kind of agreed upon a couple rules, um, if you will, because we had just gone through all of these like shady messages coming in on his phone and this big fight that had erupted. So he had promised me that he wouldn't be partying. He wouldn't be with women outside of like the hotel that he was staying at and like his friends that were going to be there and the other coaches and that he wouldn't be drinking and, you know, that he would be there to work and to coach because of all the recent infidelity questions that have kind of arisen at the time. So the first night in Santa Barbara, my girlfriends and I go out. We have like an awesome dinner and are just really enjoying spending time together. And towards the end of the night, we're walking to go grab a drink at a bar. And I made the mistake of going on my Snapchat at the time. And I clicked on one of the other coaches that was there with my ex-husband. And it was a photo of him sitting outside with his legs crossed up on the table in front of him with like two empty tequila bottles and it was at 2 a.m. And immediately I was like, okay, this is not fucking okay. Um, So I texted him and was like, yo, dude, what's going on? Why, you know, I thought we had made this agreement and like why is she putting pictures up on her Snapchat of you drinking it? 2 a.m. And of course, immediately after that, the photo comes down and it just spiraled into this whole shit show. I ended up touching base with one of the other coaches where he actually confirmed that my ex had been having some type of weird flingy relationship with the girl who had sent that message to him the night before he left. So taking you back to the book, there was that moment that that Snapchat came in from another one of the female coaches where she was like in her underwear and holding her sweatshirt up and was like, can't wait to party in Orlando. And he had convinced me that, you know, she's not his type. That's not anything he'd ever go for. She's ugly, blah, blah, blah. And come to find out from this guy that I end up talking to while I'm in Santa Barbara that that wasn't the case at all and there definitely was some shady business going on between them. Summer is here and life is not slowing down for us anytime soon. One of the things we have continuously relied on making our lives so much easier is factor meals. No prep, no mess, no cleanup meals. I have really been off the wagon with my eating since having my son, and for my health, my wellness, and my mental sanity, I have been switching my dinners to more healthy options from Factor. They have 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, so I never get bored. And Tay is continuously shocked every time he sits down to eat one because they are so freaking tasty. They have breakfast, lunches, dinners, 
and desserts, it's a treat to have restaurant quality food that is so easy to prepare and doesn't come with the insane Postmates bill. Head to factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 and use code FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code FMLtalk50 at factormeals.com slash FMLtalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Enjoy, FMLers. So... He never confirmed that they were having a physical relationship, but he did say, you know, Gabrielle, there's definitely something that shouldn't be happening going on, whether that's talking um, and flirting, but whatever. So I keep going on the Santa Barbara trip. We got in like a full-blown text fight that night, and I ended it with saying, look, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have even texted you. Just I don't want to fucking hear from you anymore. So the next morning I wake up and he's texting me over and over and over, won't leave me alone and insists that I get on the phone with him. And I finally get on the phone with him. He gives me this big apology and excuses as to why he was out and who he was with. And it wasn't like that. And I was like, look, dude, I really just want to be with my girlfriends right now. I don't want to do this. And he's like, "Okay, well, I'm sorry. And I love you. We hang up. He then texts me and says, hey, I just deposited $100 into your account. Go have fun tonight on me. Which was, again, so manipulative of, oh, I fucked up. Let me now fix it with money. And I remember sitting on the bed that day with Jenna and Sarah that morning at like 10 a.m. sobbing and was like, I don't know what to do anymore. This is not the marriage that I signed up for. And I was so upset and they were so broken for me that it was just like this really big realization of like something has to fucking change and we managed to still go and have an amazing time the rest of that trip but when it it was when I got home from that trip that weekend I ended up finding all of the fucking receipts on his email and then it was divorce time there were also numerous other women that I ended up not talking about Um, partly because it would have just taken forever. We would have spent an entire book talking about all the potential people he was talking to outside of our marriage. But I had, you know, seen weird shady stuff on, on Instagram and found that, like, he had gone on to my account and blocked specific people specific women um but then if I went on to my mom's account or a friend's account I would be able to see their profile so there had been weird stuff like that going on um and who knows how many other people other than Laurel there were um I know that she was the main one but I have since had people come out of the woodwork and contact me um you know, to apologize for stuff. And it's, you know, the web of lies that existed was um was endless. And it was way too much to fit in the beginning of a book. So from Daniel, we now move on to Javier. <clears throat> and uh, there was a little tidbit that I left out between he and I. 
most of the stuff is included because it was so important for you all to see that relationship build and to see why I was warranted of being as fucking heartbroken as I was. But on the first night that we went dancing with his friends and then we ended up going back to the hotel room, um, I say in the book that we kept our promise, which was to not sleep together, which we did. Um, But, you know, there was a... There was a little bit of clothing that came off and some heavy making out and maybe a few other things. Um, but we didn't sleep together. We we hooked up. But the funny part about <laughs> that night was that it wasn't some like sexy swanky hotel room. Um, we were on Ventura Boulevard after he brought me back to my car And we had made this decision that we wanted to go to a hotel and like stay, you know, together for the night um, at like 1.32 in the morning. So options were limited. (laughs) And um, he Googled the closest hotel on his phone. It was literally a half a mile down from where we were on Ventura. And it was (sighs) not super upscale is putting it nicely. It was uh, it was a little janky. Like I would never want to walk in there with um, a black light <laughs> to uh, to see what exactly has gone on in those rooms. But we ended up going there and, you know, spent the whole night talking and really like bonded and connected that night. But there was a little bit of hooking up. And um, the ridiculous part of this story that was left out from the book was that the following day, when we were texting back and forth, we both came to the realization that we had each, (laughs) this is so fucking embarrassing, left our underwear in the trashy ass hotel room that we stayed in. Um, I think mine was like a red thong um, and it was really cute and I remember being pissed off that that I had left it and lost it. Um, And uh, I remember both of us laughing, just being like, wow, not only are we like, you know, let's go stay at a hotel and, you know, hook up for the night, but we also then leave our fucking underwear behind. Like, how trashy can we possibly be? <laughs> Another thing that I left out from the book, where if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I regret leaving this out, is the fact that I sold my wedding ring to take this Europe trip. Um, by no means after my divorce was I financially able to do something like that and it was when Javier had invited me on it you know I made it a point that I wanted to pay for it myself and I bought my ticket and I was like okay if I'm gonna take this trip I have to figure out how I'm gonna have money to do that so I ended up selling my engagement ring and my wedding band I got five thousand dollars for both of them I sold it back to the same guy the jeweler that made them and um And that was the money that I used to take my Europe trip. That whole trip only cost five grand for some reason when people see it um, in videos and stuff. They're like, oh, it must be great to be rich. And that whole trip was $5,000 and I was there for a month. Europe is pretty cheap when you you do it right and you travel around uh, once you're there. So I wish I could go back and write about that. For some reason, when I was writing the book, I didn't think, oh, I need to you know, make sure people know that this is how I manage that. I didn't think it was a necessary thing, but, you know, here we are. 
Once I was in Europe, this is one of the things I wish I could go back and probably add back in because it's so goddamn funny. And when we were editing, my editor looked at me and she's like, Gabrielle, we don't fucking need this. This has nothing to do with anything that's going on. But I think it's fucking hilarious and I love it. So I dove deep into my archives of old, old original writings and uh, pulled the chapter for y'all to listen to. Um, I low-key wish I would have left it in the book, and Emma and I talk about it often and laugh our asses off. So here we go. Once Emma and I got home, we needed to relax a little bit before heading to dinner. Do you want to see the most ridiculous show? She asked. Uh, okay. I said, not sure what I was getting myself into. Let me tell you, whatever I could have imagined, it was so far beyond that. Apparently in Europe, they are way more relaxed with nudity on television, and I knew this. However, this show that airs in the middle of the day was so unbelievable, I literally just sat there with my mouth wide open the entire time, only closing it to repeatedly say, I cannot fucking believe this. Let me try and explain. It's a reality game show. Different episodes have different main contestants. Sometimes they're male and sometimes they're female. Said contestant will be fully clothed and standing with the host. Let's say, for the sake of explanation, it's a woman. The woman and the host stand together while five male contestants stand behind fogged glass doors where you can only see their shadows. Then, each round, the woman contestant gets to see a quarter of their body. Their naked body. So round one, she can only see from their feet to their knees. No big deal, I guess, although how you can judge your potential soulmate on their feet is beyond me. Nevertheless, she eliminates one. Then the doors raise up higher. What's the next level up from their knees? Yep, full-on dick and balls. Let me take a moment to remind you, this is Europe, so very uncircumcised, flaccid penis is just hanging out. She then has to eliminate another one. Can you imagine being the poor dude that gets cut on that round? Fucking brutal. Then the door raises another level so she can see their chest and arms. Mind you, this entire time, the woman contestant is casually talking to the host about these men while they can hear everything. Well, I usually like less of a bush down there. I mean, come on. Again, mouth just hanging open. Eventually, the door raises and she gets to see the two remaining men's faces. She then chooses which man she wants to potentially go on a date with. Once that man has been chosen, she is then sent backstage by the host to get naked, to reemerge and be evaluated and approved by the dude she's chosen. I mean, can we get any more superficial? People wonder why humans have body issues. I mean, Jesus Christ. If the man decides he wants to go on a date with the woman, they then head out on some lame dinner date fully clothed. I mean, how ass backwards is that? Regardless, Emma and I sat and watched three episodes back to back. We laughed so hard, we cried. So obviously my editor was correct when she said, Gabrielle, this has nothing to do with anything and it's completely extra and unnecessary. However, <laughs> um, it's a really fond memory uh, between Emma and I and I've actually gotten DMs from people who know this show in Europe um, when I've talked about this section online and 
I don't know, guys. Maybe if I ever do like a revamped uh, second edition version, this this is going to sneak its way back in because I think it's fucking hilarious. So one of the biggest things that happened that I chose not to write about because it would have gone off onto so many tangents was my ex from college actually kind of popped in and reappeared in my life before I went on my Europe trip, before I even went to the beach with Javier. So he randomly had texted me that night. And this was like my college sweetheart, like everybody in my family, in my life, everyone thought we were getting married. And he then went and got engaged and we, you know, weren't speaking to each other anymore. And I was like, okay, he's happy. I'm doing my thing. Obviously, I had gotten married. And I got a text from him one night and it was shocking because I hadn't heard from him in years. And we ended up meeting up to talk and it was kind of like this weird, oh my God, is this why my divorce happened? Am I about to reconnect with this person? And I almost remember saying to one of my girlfriends, maybe I shouldn't go meet Javier at the beach today. Like maybe I should just focus on this person. Um, I guess I have to give him a name. He is going to kind of pop in and out of book two. Um, so for all intensive purposes, we will name him Frank today. <laughs> um, so anyways... I was thinking like maybe this is what, why this is all happening and then cut to me going to the beach and falling for Javier and he ended up getting back with his fiance and that's where I thought it was going to end. When I landed in London, I started getting a bunch of text messages from him and they were like kind of dirty. Like they were very sexualized and um, very, you could tell... um, like missing me in a sexual way. And I remember saying to him, look, dude, I, you know, I am not ready to enter into any kind of relationship right now. I have just been through the fucking ringer. Um, And I was open with him. I told him about all of the divorce stuff. He knew about Javier and that whole shit show. So he knew what I had just been through. And I was very stern and like, yo, you can't, you know, if you want to talk as friends and be friends, that's fine. But I'm not trying to like be in any type of sexual or romantic relationship right now. And he respected that. And we talked for maybe three days that I was in London. And then finally, I was just kind of like, okay, I'm going to focus on my trip. And and he kind of faded off. And it uh It was an interesting experience to have another one of my exes come like knocking at my door when my life was fucking erupting in front of my face. And uh, he definitely is, you'll, you'll read about him in book two and he, uh, he pops in every, every now and then. And um, it, uh, it was something that I thought about writing and kind of giving a little bit of backstory into mine and his relationship from college, but it really wasn't a big enough storyline to include in FML. Hi, I'm Chris Gethard, and I'm very excited to tell you about Beautiful Anonymous, a podcast where I talk to random people on the phone. I tweet out a phone number, thousands of people try to call, I talk to one of them, they stay anonymous, I can't hang up, that's all the rules. I never know what's going to happen. We get serious ones. I've talked with meth dealers on their way to prison. I've talked to people who survived mass shootings crazy funny ones. I talked to a guy with a goose laugh, somebody who dresses up as a pirate on the weekends. I never know what's going to happen. It's a great show. Subscribe today. Beautiful Anonymous.
So the only other thing that I didn't include in the book was my last night in Rome. And it was because it didn't really add anything and the the way that the Rome, the last Rome chapter ended kind of just segued really beautifully into the start of San Vito. Um, But my last night in Rome, I met this super cool dude at a hostel, the hostel that I was staying at. And I came home and we talked for a couple hours on the patio and he was just a really great guy. And he shared some of his life story with me. He had gone through um, a family member of his being murdered and it was just really heavy and we connected on kind of that like we're here to soul search because our lives are so fucked up level Um, and we ended up going to the market in Rome where all of the restaurants are it's like a big food court but it's all like amazing authentic food and I swear to god we went to four or five of the little restaurants in there and ate different things and got gelato and I almost considered that night not that I had any romantic feelings for him whatsoever like he was just a very fun dude but up until I met him my experience in Rome wasn't fantastic it was more in my feelings and not having a ton of fun. So for a moment, I almost considered making my flight to San Vito a day later and staying and doing a day in Rome with him and kind of like adventuring around. But it was a little late to make that call. And, you know, it was it was something that I didn't feel the need to put into the book because it would have just been more of like, and here we go, guys, I'm meeting this cool dude and I'm eating a lot and then we're going to go to San Vito anyways. Um, But he was really, really cool and it was a nice like ending to the bad taste that I had had in my mouth from my, my couple days in Rome. So there you have it, everyone. That is officially all of the stuff, all of the details that you didn't know from Eat, Pray, FML. Um, I, (laughs) going back and looking through all of my notes and like kind of digging back in to what I wrote about and what I left out was actually a lot of fun for me. So thank you guys for for pressuring me into going down that rabbit hole. All right, y'all, it's that time of the show. We are going to dig into your FML stories. Here we go. Hi, Gabrielle. My name's Caitlin, and this is my FML. So I got married at 22 after my husband joined the military. We weren't living together, and we were fighting because I had suspicions he was cheating. Fast forward a few months, and I find pics of other women on his phone. He swears they're being sent by other sailors. We go to couple therapy with a priest, and my ex wasn't religious. Swears he wasn't cheating, and if I can't believe him, I should go to therapy. I go to therapy that doesn't work on its own. I'm encouraged to go on psych meds, which he fully supports. And finally, with therapy and meds, I feel okay. Every time I go off the meds, I think he's cheating. Flash forward another three years. We just bought a house together. We successfully got pregnant. And 20 weeks into the pregnancy, I find out he was cheating with two women while we were buying our house and trying to get pregnant. One was 19 and he was 34. I find his secret email account that he's had for years and find out I was right the whole time. And he'd been cheating since about two weeks after we got married with multiple women. We're finally finalizing the divorce after spending a year separated and going through mediation, which he backed out of right as we were finalizing everything, sending us through lawyers to get divorced. When I moved in with him, I left everything behind and put my master's on hold. So now I ended up a single mom to an eight-month-old living with my parents and finishing my master's. Luckily, I finished everything and I'm kicking ass as a mom working full-time. 
oh my God, what is it with the 19 year olds? I swear to God, the amount of comments that I get about my husband was cheating with a 19 year old too, or, you know, it's, I don't know what it is about the age. It's like a step up from 18, but still young enough to, oh God. I'm so sorry, girl. What a fucking journey that must have been. And why people choose to like, get so deep in it's like no no wait let's buy a house no let's have a kid when they know that they're doing it the entire time that's so shitty good for you for finishing your fucking masters and kicking ass girl hey gabrielle my name is taylor and this is my fml story so a little backstory for you um i waited a lot longer than the average person to start being sexually active um no reason that I can think of, maybe I was waiting for the right person or the right timing, I don't know. So after my 21st birthday, I started hanging out with a friend of a friend. Um, he had just gotten in a relationship and was very forthcoming with, hey, I don't wanna jump into a new relationship and I'm definitely not interested in hooking up with people, which totally fair, um, it takes time to process and heal. Um, after we were consistently hanging out and all that, I realized, hey, I really like this guy, and who knows, like, maybe he's the right person. So we ended up having sex, and um, he didn't use protection until about midway through, and I know, I know, I should have stopped him and made him put on a condom, whatever, but it is what it is. So after we had sex, he pretty much just ignored me for a few days, and when he was finally ready to talk to me, he told me that it was all a huge mistake, and then he proceeded to brag about all the women he had been hooking up with from Tinder. So I was completely comfortable with my decision to lose my virginity to him when I thought I was his only active partner. So when I found out that he had been withholding the truth from me and I wasn't able to actually make an educated choice about my body, I was livid. So. I went to my doctor, I had a whole STI panel done, and chose to never see him again. And although over the last few years he's tried to insert himself into my life, I am happily engaged and will be marrying an amazing man in April. So thank you, Gabrielle. A fucking douchebag. Sorry for the intense profanity, although this is FML talk, what do y'all expect? I cannot imagine what it must have been like not only losing your virginity to someone who turned out to be a complete asshole and liar right after the fact, but to have waited so long to, you know, do that with someone special. Um, wow, what a piece of shit. That makes me so angry. Um, I'm really, till this day, thankful that the guy that I lost my virginity to, um, we chose to do that together. Um and he was really, you know, he was my boyfriend, but we really made it a point to make that special and and keep that between us and took a lot of care in the fact that that was something that we would always have special between us. Um, so it really breaks my heart that you, you had to go through something like that. I'm so very sorry. And the fact that he's trying to reinsert himself into your life is fucking laughable. All right, as I'm sure you guys have all seen, the new merch is finally up on the website. Um, there are limited numbers and limited styles, so make sure if you haven't ordered already, I know a bunch of you have, 
Go to the website, which is eatprayfml.com. You can also find that in the link in my Instagram bio. And uh, I cannot wait to see you guys rocking some of this new merch. It is so cute. I am so obsessed. And we are going to be doing a really big giveaway in February, which you will need some of that merch to participate in. Um, There are also signed books up on the website, which has totally been redone. So make sure you join the mailing list because you will be the first people to be notified about book two or any awesome upcoming shit. So next week, you guys, um, I have not yet brought someone that is technically a character from the book onto the podcast. And next week, that will all change. You guys know her as my best friend, Jess, who was my fucking ride or die during this crazy time in my life. Her real name is Brittany, and she will be here next week to go over all the hysteria, all the drama, and all the ridiculousness that ensued when her and I went FBI style on my ex-husband. And I cannot wait for you guys to officially meet her. As always, make sure you are subscribed so you never miss an episode. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at FMLTalk, and I will see you all next week. Cheers. Welcome to As a Woman, Fertility Hormones and Beyond. I'm your host, Dr. Natalie Crawford, and I am a fertility physician and co-founder of Fora Fertility in Austin, Texas. We will talk about a wide range of topics, including the menstrual cycle, your hormones, infertility, IVF, mental health, and well, beyond. So join us and become part of the community of collaboration that amplifies others as a woman. This podcast has been brought to you by Podcast Nation.